The Beatles are a pretty nice band, and we've got a lot to say. The Beatles are a pretty nice band, talk about them day after day. But we also love the outfield a lot, so are these songs better than your love? The Beatles are a pretty nice band, someday we'll judge if they're fine, oh yeah. Someday we'll judge if they're fine. Because I said so. I, I I got that all the time when I was a kid. I don't know about you, but I heard that a lot. If the Beach Boys did a sci-fi themed album, right? I'm a little surprised Brian Wilson never at least pitched the concept, you know. But anyway, uh, this is a beautiful piece of work. John Paul and George's voices melting into one giant siren call of love. I think I think the Moog noises give it an out of this world timeless quality to it. Like if Epcot preached that love is forever, or if in 2001 <laughs> Space Odyssey, Hal quoted Ramdas. Um, I can understand if some listeners think the instrumentation ruins the song, um, but I point those people to the love remix of the song, which is just the voices and for some reason a singular bird yapping away. Um, <laughs> just doesn't have the same multi layered spacey quality to it. It doesn't say like in the original that John's love for Yoko will be eternal and can be felt in Neptune on Neptune. And Epcot. And Epcot. Do you do you know what yeah. Epcot stands for? I did at one point. Could you remind me? The environmental prototype community of tomorrow. Wow. Yes. It's been a long time it's been a long time since I've been to Epcot. Yeah, I mean, I was I eight years old, I think, when I went last time. Okay, I think the last time I was there was like 17. Okay. I didn't get to Disney until I was like 14 years old. What? That's crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. But we had no money. Anyway. Uh, Out of college, money spurred. Yeah, we'll get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the harmonies on this track are beyond gorgeous. Like, they're outdoing the Beach Boys in so many ways. And, yeah, the Moog is a little dated, but that's kind of just what the Moog is. Um, Roger, have you ever listened to uh, the album Mother Earth's Plantasia? So, wait, is the artist Mother Earth? No, it's a, it's a who's the artist? The album title is Mother Earth's Plantation. It's just kind of known as that more. It's by Mort Garson. Mort. <laughs> Mort. I love that name, Mort. Very of its time. <laughs> he was like an electronic music guy. Um, he actually scored the soundtrack for I forget what network what network it was for when we when we went to the moon. Wait, wait. Um, uh, Andrew, put that in quotes for some reason. <laughs> no, we went to the moon, I think. I'm pretty sure we did. <laughs> but I know some people don't think that. But when we went to the moon, you know, that was like the sum- the soundtrack that was playing part of the news bumpers or whatever. I but see. he created this whole album that was, it's all Moog and it's to make your plants happy. And it really reminds me of uh, of that. This all, that That's the Moog sort of just triggers in my brain you know it seems like this because could be a bonus track or at least you know when you're listening to the album on spotify the song that would come up next as like recommended 
uh, and I will put that in quotations, uh, you know, <laughs> that you could listen to <laughs> once you finish listening to Mother Earth's Fantasia. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate this song for what it is. It's not like the one I would go back to on this side of Abbey Road, uh, but it's so it's it's not my favorite. Oh well, the final song to be recorded for the Abbey Road album was the song. You know, the song mm-hmm. was inspired by Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata. I've heard of it, and featured the Beatles' distinctive three-part vocal harmonies. Yoko was a classically trained pianist whose interests had moved towards the avant-garde. One day in 1969, however, she played Beethoven's Piano Sonata Number no. 14 in C sharp minor, the Moonlight Sonata. Lying on herself and listening, Jalan and asked her to play the chords backwards. That's the normal thing to do. Yes. <laughs> like, like she's he's testing her or something. And uh, uh, you know, it's well, it's like she's she's your you know they're playing tape loops backwards for at that time. Right. So, you know. What is this revolver? Hey honey, <laughs> yes, re- hey honey could you do me a favor? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe he, that's his version of avant-garde. Like, hey, I know, let's do it backwards. Well, you know, was it? Uh, they might be giants. Recently, performed a song. Have been performing a song backwards, and then dare you to record it, and then you know put it in reverse to do whatever I, the song is. Right. I see. Yes. But uh, so in that in that case. Uh, hashtag Yoko Ono did it. Hashtag Yoko did it. Um, while not an exact reversal of Beethoven's piece, because it contains a number of musical similarities, he wrote uh, because a rather result of playing the chords backwards. Uh, John said that he was, uh, John told the story um, of what I just said. She, he also added the lyrics speak for themselves. They're clear, no bullshit. No imagery, no obscure references. So the opposite of Glass Onion, I suppose. I guess. The vocal harmonies are, are one of the most distinctive aspects of the much admired because Lennon, Paul McCartney, and George Harrison sang together and overdubbed their voices twice more, giving the effect of nine voices. <gasps> George Harrison said the following in 1969. John wrote this tune. The backing is a bit like Beethoven. And three-part harmony right throughout. Paul usually writes the sweeter tunes, and John writes the sort of more to rave up things or the freakier things. But John's getting to where he doesn't want to. He just wants to write 12 bars. But you can't deny it. I think this is possibly my favorite one on the album. Sorry, Andrew Loden. The lyrics are so simple. The harmonies was pretty difficult to sing. We had to really learn it. But I think that's one of the tunes that will impress most people. It's really good. You know... I would expect this to be the one that George thinks is the best. Really? Absolutely. Hmm. Well, I think John, it's, he's returning to favor because John, I think, said something was the best for, on the album. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, this is has a, has a spiritual quality to it, and it's... Right. You know. That's a good point. It has, like, has the avant-garde aspect of it more than the other, like, more pop-based tunes. So... Makes sense. Yeah, and Paul didn't write it. That also helped. Right. There's that too. <laughs> the instrumentation of Because was simple with arpeggio accompaniment on harpsichord, guitar, and boog. Paul McCartney later bought the electric harpsichord played here by George Martin when he and I were reducing their instrument collection. It remains in his recording studio. Why would he and I reduce their instrument collection? I don't know. 
EMI garage sale. That would have been something to see. They gotta buy more EMI toilet paper. Ugh, so scratchy. scratchy. Very scratchy. Uh, the recordings have McCarty's bass guitar on track one, Lennon's guitar on two, and Martin's electric harpsichord on three. Ringo kept time with hand claps on track four for guide purposes only. Take one of because with the hand claps audible can be heard on some formats of the 50th anniversary reissue of Abbey Road. Uh, George Martin talked about how they did it, but I want to get to Jeff Febrick's uh, uh, remembrance of this song. I think that's more interesting. Jeff remembers. Today on Jeff remembers. Geoff remembers. Geoff remembers. It was mid-afternoon, but the lights in Studio 2 were did way down low for atmosphere. The four Beatles, Ringo was there too, providing moral support, <laughs> were gathered in a semicircle, the sparse backing track playing softly in their headphones. The start with everyone was standing up, but it quickly became apparent this was going to be a time-consuming process, so they were soon sitting on regulation EMI hardback chairs, not stools. To get the phrasing spot on, Paul was making hand gestures, conducting the others. It would take more than five hours to get those vocals done, and though John's patience was sorely tried that afternoon, no one gave, no one gave up. Perfection was the goal, and nobody was prepared to accept anything less. George Martin took his place next to me in the control room, listening intently. Yoko was up there with us, too, but she never said a word the entire afternoon. John Paul and George Harrison each had his own mic, but they were all being recorded on a single track, so I was focused on doing the balance. To keep the purity of the sound, I had decided to use no signal processing whatsoever, no compressors and limiters. The three Beatles sang because over and over and over again that afternoon. They probably did each pass 20 or 30 times. Pitching was not a problem. They rarely sang out of tune, and they were good at remembering their parts. But it wasn't easy to get the phrasing precise, starting and ending each word at exactly the same time. Even John was unusually patient that day, though he rebuked Paul once or twice, at one point snapping, Jesus Christ, give me a break already. I wish I hadn't written the bloody thing. <laughs> but John kept at it, as did George Harrison, who, to my surprise, never uttered a word of complaint. They knew it was they his were... favorite song. That's right. They knew they were doing something special. They were determined to get it right. So that's nice. With the backing track in place, Lennon, McCartney, and Harrison recorded the first of their harmony vocal tracks. Two more were added on August 4th, 1969. A final overdub was recorded the next day when George Harrison taped a Moog part, the first time the synthesizer was used on the Abbey Road recordings. Harrison recorded it twice, filling up the last two available tracks on the tape. The beauty of a track recording. Yes. Yes. Uh, in 2016, the Anthology 3 mix, the one where it's just uh, that's a cappella version, became the first recording by the Beatles to appear in a film trailer, but it was featured in the trailer for Luke Besson's film Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Ah, uh, yes. That classic. The uh, first song to be used in a trailer? Yeah, and that tracks to me. That sounds right. I don't remember any other times yeah well they've been used they're you know using commercials r- rarely yes up to a point they're there was used a time in movies when, i guess yep. maybe sergeant pepper's movie they didn't do trailers because they do it was so bad i don't know love count four 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 times the word love is uttered sung Josie Scale is a song better than Your Love by the Outfield. Speaking of love, I'm hmm. going to give this 
Yeah. Nice. I am going to give this one a Josie. Why do you hate love, man? I love love. Because. You said so. I said so. Okay. (laughs) The Beatles are a pretty nice band. Talk about them day after day. But we also love the outfield a lot. So are these songs better than your love? The Beatles are a pretty nice band. Someday we'll judge if they're fine. Oh yeah, someday we'll judge if they're fine.